It's time for another Master Passive Income Show. My name's Dustin Heiner, and I help people to quit their jobs by investing in real estate rental properties. That's right. What we do is we invest in properties that make us money every single month so we do not need to have a job. Our rents exceed our expenses, and our tenants pay us extra money to put it in our pocket. It's fantastic. Now, today we're going to be finishing off the series on how to start investing in real estate. There's still so much more to cover. And today we're going to be looking at buying the property, you know, getting in our contract, getting to a title company, going through the process of having your property manager and contractors and everybody fix up the property and then getting it leased and then making money every single month. All right, guys, now let's get started where we finish off this series where we talk about how to start investing in real estate rental properties right now. Let's do this. Welcome to the Master Passive Income Podcast, where we talk about investing in real estate rental properties with a special focus on making enough money so you can quit your job and live the dream life. And now, here is your host, Dustin Heiner. Sweet. Now let's get started where we are going to be talking about how you can start investing in real estate and finish off this series that we've been going through. Now, we've been going through so much stuff, and as you go through the podcast show notes, I've actually compiled them all into one page, so you can just keep scrolling and keep reading, because there's so much to learn, and I was thinking, oh man, page after page after page, you know, going to a different page and reading more, a different page and reading more. I just put it all in one page. So for the podcast show notes for this show, go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash 064. And then honestly, all these last series, they all point to the same page because I realized, man, that's a lot of stuff and I don't want many different pages. Let's put it all on one so everybody can just read it all at once. Okay, now I'm going to tell you something that I absolutely hate. I hate, and you know, I don't want to kind of talk you away from real estate because it, this thing is a part of real estate and I hate it. Um, you might be thinking, well, you know, what could it be? Could it be the 2 a.m. phone calls? No, I, I don't even get those. My property manager gets those. Um, let's see, what else could it be? Could it be where your tenant doesn't pay rent? Well, yes, I absolutely hate that. That's usually pretty horrible. But if you, and you go through what we're talking about today, you can do a lot to make sure you don't get bad tenants. You actually get good tenants. And I will show you how to do that today. Now, one thing that I absolutely hate is I hate paying my property taxes. I absolutely hate property taxes. In the mail just uh, two days ago, I got an uh, envelope that had four different tax bills. In one area of the country, I have four properties there, and they sent me a nice little envelope with four different statements in there. And actually, no, there's a fifth one. Shoot, that's right, I do have five properties there, <laughs> okay? So I have five properties there, and I got five tax bills. Now, some areas of the country, you're going to be paying like $1,200, $2,000, like on the East and West Coast, you're going to be paying a lot of money. So in the one area that I invest in Ohio, remember, I live in Phoenix and I invest in Ohio, I have other less, but they're like $800 or $900 for the entire year. Well, what they do, the government, they're, they're nice. Uh, they're really nice. And what they're going to do is they're going to split it up into two payments instead of one. So I like one tax bill is $490 for one 
portion of the year. So that's a total of what is that? Uh, almost, uh, yeah, $980 for that one property. Another one's 602, so that's $1,200. Another one's 562, so that, but that's what, um, $1,100, $1,120. Um, another one's 550. Oh my goodness. So I'm looking at these tax bills, and I have one more here. Let me see what that one is. Pull it up. This one is $742. Oh my goodness. So that's like $1,500. Oh man, property taxes are horrible. You know what would be even more horrible? Is if I had to pay those myself. If I had to put it out of my pocket and pay those myself. Well, in fact, because I have a rental property, even though I hate paying these because it's extra money coming out, I don't pay it. My tenants the people that rent my property, they're the ones that pay it. In fact, even my mortgage, if I have principal and interest on a mortgage, let's say I buy the house for $100,000, I put $20,000 down or $10,000 down or 3.5% down, which is $3,500 down, depending on what type of mortgage I get. If I do that, then I have a balance. Let's just say I buy a house for $100,000. I put 3.5% down. Well, I still owe $96,500. But the great thing is, I'm not paying that $96,500. My tenant is paying that because I account for that expense as I am figuring out if I'm gonna buy this property right now. Also, not just the $96,500 that our tenants are paying for the rest of this property, they're also paying the interest. So every bit of interest that I am having to, or not me, but it's on my name or on my company, every bit of interest, I am not paying that. My tenants are. Same thing with property taxes. I am not paying the property taxes my tenants are. Now, the reason why I hate it is because I physically have to pay for it. I physically have to actually write the check, which is rather irritating. You know, I save money um, every single month from each property to account for this. But, you know, as your bank account grows and grows, you're like, hey, look at all these, you know, I have like 30 plus properties. And so all the property tax money just kind of gets stored up and stored up. And then all of a sudden I'm like, yay, I got a lot of money. Oh, shoot, I got to pay these now. And so even though it's not my money per se, like it's going to the government, it's already accounted for, came from the tenant. It's not my money, I'm paying it. Now, the reason why it hits me a little more is because I actually have to write the check. My property managers don't write the check. I would not actually leave it to them. This is something I want to make sure gets done because if you don't pay your property taxes, you'll find out really quickly who actually owns the property, the government. If you don't pay your property taxes, the government will say, hey, you didn't pay your taxes. I don't care if it's $5. We're taking the property from you. That's what they'll do. So you'll figure out really quickly who owns it in the long run. So as long as you keep paying your property taxes, you are totally fine. But the great thing, you're not paying the property taxes. I'm going to say that one more time. You're not paying the property taxes. Your tenants are. And I'm going to give you a little sneak peek on what we're going to be talking about next week. We're going to be talking about property taxes and how to lower those property taxes. You don't want to miss this. This is something I do all the time. Every single year, I review my property taxes to see how I can save money. In fact, one year, I saved $1,500 from my property taxes in, I think, think it took me like five minutes or 10 minutes or something like that. It's super, super awesome to be able to go through this process and save you tons of money. So you're going to want to be there for this. Now, today's show, we're going to finish off on the series where we're talking about everything from beginning to end, how to start investing. Now, we're going to finish off. Now, if you remember last time, we were looking at finding properties, you know, going to websites and using websites and realtors and wholesalers, using other means to find deals, bring those in. Now, we're going to be looking at the rest of the process to getting a tenant. Now, I'm going to say that there is, even though you're getting so much content 
in these podcasts, there's so much more. Like everything I'm telling you right now is literally like 1% of all the things that you need to learn. There's so much more to learn. Now, if you want to continue your education and you want to get started, go and get my free investing course, masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course. I want you to get started and this is your ticket to get started. My free course, masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course. Now, on to the rest of this part of the series. Now, let's finish off. Now, after you have found a property, after you have said, you know, I like this property on Zillow, I have this realtor who's found this property for me, this wholesaler's found this property for me, the next thing you need to do is do your due diligence. I know it's kind of a weird word to kind of, hey, is that a Latin term? I don't know, but your due diligence. Basically, you're trying to make sure that you're accounting for all the expenses, you're analyzing the property, and that's something that it takes a lot of education and knowledge to analyze the property right, and that's something I teach and go, go through the course, the free course that I just talked to you about. You'll be able to get started on that, and there's so much more to learn, so I want to teach you all that. Now, what you're going to do is you're going to do your due diligence knowing and checking the numbers. You're also going to see if the property is a good property that you're going to want to actually buy. You're going to see if your property managers are going to want to manage the property. You're going to, your due diligence is basically making sure it's a good property. Now, here's one huge pro tip I'm going to give you. I probably said it many, many times, even in the series. You want to make sure that you're making $250 or more each month in passive income. Now, you might be saying, oh, or thinking to yourself, Dustin, that's a lot of money. How do I, you know, I can't find properties I can make $250. Well, yeah, probably because it's where you're looking and how you're buying them. Well, there are so many places in the country where you can find properties that make you that much money, as well as there are good deals out there. You just need to put a little extra effort into it. It's easy to find a deal that you're going to make in $50 or $100 a month in passive income. It's harder to get $250, but I'm telling you, you're going to save yourself a lot of grief, a lot of headache, and you will actually be able to make sure you're making money and almost never, ever lose money. Okay. So do your due diligence. That's where you're checking everything. Don't trust what other people, just one person saying, like if you talk to a realtor and the realtor says, here's a huge pro tip. If the realtor says, Hey, this property is fantastic. You're going to be able to rent it for $8,000 a month. And you're only going to need to pay, you know, $5,000 to buy it. You know, they're going to, they want to sell a property. Now, not all realtors are like this, but you'll find out many, many realtors, if not 99% of them, they don't understand investing number one, but they also want to make a sale. They make money when they make a sale. And so they may have a good understanding of what the rents are going to be like, but at the same time, more than likely they don't. In my opinion, I go off of property managers. So here's another big pro tip. You want to use every single person that you talk to that's in the business with you. You remember you built your business. You have everybody working there. You want to talk to as many people as possible about a particular property, an area or whatever, and get as much information. Because remember, this is not our backyard. We're trying to invest in another state or, you know, very, very far away. We're not going to drive to. The Bible says, and I, I love reading the Bible. I read the Bible every day. The Bible says that wisdom comes with many counselors. And I wholeheartedly, absolutely believe that when I buy into a new area, area, I have so many people get telling me the good and the bad about the area, telling me the good and bad about the properties, the type of clientele and all that sort of stuff. So you want to have many counselors and many people telling you everything about this property and this area of the country that you're investing in. So do your due diligence. So here's a list. Run the numbers. Definitely run the numbers, making sure that the property is going to make you money every single month. That's number one. Number two, 
make sure your property manager is okay and has verified the numbers on the property. That Make sure that they're okay with actually renting the property. That would be a bummer if you buy the property and the property manager said, eh, no, I don't, I don't <laughs> manage the properties there because the, the uh, crime is so bad that I don't even want to go there. Well, you don't want that type of property. So your property manager is going to be verifying everything for you from how much it's going to rent for, for how the type of clientele is going to be, you know, and they're going to even going to look at the property and say, this is what it's going to take to fix it up to get it rent ready. So you want to run the numbers. You want to talk to your property managers. You want to talk to your realtors. Number three, talk to your realtors, make sure you're getting the best price, negotiate the price down in doing your due diligence. You're trying to make and save as much money as possible. And that's what you're going to be doing next. You're also going to get contractors and plumbers and basically everybody that's going to be working on the property, fixing it up. You want to make sure that their quote is in your pocket or basically in your numbers, knowing what you're going to be getting into. Last thing you want is to buy a property that you're going to have to dump an extra, you know, $30,000 into a property because you did not know that the property needed to be fixed up. Also, you're going to need your due diligence is also going to be getting inspections. You definitely want to have your inspections done at minimum, a home inspection. You absolutely want a home inspector to go through the entire property. They take about three hours. And honestly, in my opinion, I'll pay somebody 450 bucks to look through a property for me and give me a whole printout of everything good and bad about the property. And if I had to walk away because there was too much to uh, fix up on it and the seller would not come down, they would not lower the amount that we agreed upon because of all the fixing up that needs to get done, then I would say, hey, you know, the offer's still there. I lowered my offer price for the, for the property. And if they don't want to take it, I'd say, hey, the offer is always on the table. And so unless something drastically changes, it'll be there for you. And you just come back to me if you are, if and when you're ready to sell. So you want to make sure that you have the ability to know what that property is all about, everything about that property from beginning to end. And if you spent $450 and you did not buy the property, don't think of it, oh man, I wasted $450. No, think of, I saved myself $100,000 or however much money it costs to buy the property. Think of, you're saving that much money. So an inspection is a huge pro tip I'm gonna give you. Always inspect every single property you buy. Now, the next big step in the process is you need to make offers on properties that fit into your business model. Now, don't just find any property. Hey, this looks like a good property. It doesn't fit your business model. And remember, the business model is how it basically what your goals are going to be, what type of property you're going to buy. You're going to buy more expensive homes that have a little less rent, but they the tenants stay in there longer. You have less maintenance, or you're going to buy lower priced homes where tenants move a little more often. There's more expenses um, in maintenance and repairs because they're older homes, you know, fit into your business model. That's what you want to do. Make the offers. Now you can use a number of different ways to actually put in the offer. Number one, you can use your realtor. If you have a realtor finding properties for you, you can use them and have them put in the offer. It's actually pretty simple and they have it down to a science. They'll put in the offer for you. And you uh, obviously I got to say this, but I'm definitely going to make sure you understand. Always negotiate on prices. I'm going to, I'm going to harp on that. Always negotiate, 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 negotiate on everything. So use your realtor, have your realtor put in the offer for you. Now, a thing that you're going to want to look at is in contacting a seller is another huge option. So instead of actually going through a realtor, you can contact the seller or the seller's realtor directly. Let's say you don't have a realtor. 
or you have many realtors, which is what I do. I have many realtors working for me and I find a property on my own and I'm not particular to any realtor. I go right to the seller realtor and say, hey, I'm gonna buy this property. I wanna buy it through you. I know you're gonna get both the buyer commission and the seller commission, which is usually 3% for both. So you'll make 6%. How about you knock off a percent for me? You'll still be making 5%, which is more than your 3%. This is a huge pro tip I'm giving you. You're gonna make more than you normally would but give me back that 1%. I want that 1% that's gonna to go to my closing costs or go to the paying the property. And so more than likely, you're gonna get a realtor say, shoot, that's an extra 2% for doing nothing? Absolutely. So huge pro tip, go right to the seller realtor. If you don't have anybody already working for you or finding that property, the right, the sorry, the wrong thing, what you're not gonna to wanna to do is if a realtor brings you the property, and then you go behind their back and go right to the seller realtor. That's just dishonest. In my opinion, that's just bad. You're going to make yourself look bad. And in the end, no realtor is going to want to work with you because word will get around very, very quickly. If you're an investor, they want to work with good investors. They don't work with bad investors. So go through whoever brings you the property. If you have a wholesaler that brings you the property, great, go through them. Don't go behind their back and go to a, a buyer, or sorry, go to the seller directly. Don't do that. You want to go through whoever brings you the property. Now, if you find it on your own, then you're by all means, go right to the selling realtor and make the offer through them and try to get that price down. Also, you want to also work with many in finding properties and putting the offers in, you're going to put an offer in through the wholesaler. If you get a property from a wholesaler, you know, a wholesaler is basically, if you don't know what a wholesaler is, a wholesaler finds a seller they, they do a lot of work. They don't find it on the MLS. They actually go door to door, knock on door to door and put up bandit signs where it says, I buy houses cash and all that sort of stuff. Um, it, they go out and find sellers and they find buyers. And so I am on many wholesalers lists as a buying investor. So they send me properties all the time saying, hey, how about this property? How about this property? How about this property? Because they don't know exactly. I mean, I tell them, I tell them my criteria. They don't always know exactly what's gonna fit well but they just keep throwing them out to you because they have so many properties. They're, they get paid when they flip a property, basically flip a property to a buyer from a seller. That's when they actually make money. Now, when they don't sell, they don't make money, which is opposite from us as being investors. You know, we make money whether we work or not. They don't. And so they need to constantly be finding new buyers and new sellers. So when you're working with a wholesaler, go through the wholesaler because they have the contract. Like they literally go to the seller and they put the property under contract. They make a contract with the seller, the homeowner of the property, and write on the contract that they will assign it to whomever they want. So me being an investor, they can assign, basically hand the rights over to that contract over to me for whatever reason. It could be that they're, you know, they're, really nice and they want to give it to me or I'm going to pay them, you know, $2,000, $3,000, $5,000, whatever it's worth to them. And so what happens is I pay them a transaction fee. They sign the contract and put it over to me so that now I am the contract owner and I buy the property and we send it to a title company. Now, let's look at what happens after you have a signed contract with a seller. Next up, you want to go to a title company. A title company is a company, basically it's a bunch of people that look at the title of the property. So the title basically is who owns the property. And if there's anybody else that owns it, if there's any liens against it, there's any back taxes and all these things that have encumbrances or things that are locking down that property. If the property owes back taxes, somebody's got to pay it. You know, if you buy a property that has back taxes, 
you need to pay it unless you get that worked out with the seller. If there's a lien on the property, like if there was something, some work done on the property and a contractor put a lien on it, basically saying they cannot sell this house until I get my money out of it. They could, they'll wait because it's signed with over with the government. The government makes sure that it gets taken care of. And so if a property has a $20,000 lien on it and you buy the property, well, then now you own that lien. You have to pay that lien that has to be paid. So a title company, what they do is they review everything from, I don't know, I don't know how many years, but they go so many years back to see the chain of custody. And the chain of custody is a crucial term. The chain of custody is used by courts and in the law. If everything, anything happened wrong with the title, they're going to look at the chain of custody. Who owned it? Then who owned it? Then who owned it? Then who owned it? And if there's any problems in there, like if it was split up and you know a brother-in-law of a brother-in-law of the brother's best friend or something like that had part ownership and nobody knew about it, they will eventually find it. And if, if they actually had ownership on it and you bought the property without knowing it, you're going to have to have a lot of work on your hands. Anyways, so go through a title company. I'm telling you all this stuff. And really what it comes down to is just let the title company do the work. They are usually worth their weight in gold. Uh, well, I wouldn't say that so much. However much you're going to pay them, 450 bucks, $1,000, whatever it's going to be for them to do the title company search. Absolutely well worth paying for that because you're going to be saved in the long run from having unexpected title issues. So here's what you do. You take the contract and you walk right over to the title company. You say, here's the contract. This is the property. I'm buying it. Go. And that's it. And they do all the work and they'll, and you might say, Hey, here's my phone number. Call me when you're ready for me to do anything. And they'll call you up and say, Hey, Mr. Heiner, the property's ready for you to sign on it. You got to, um, you know, have the funds ready or financing ready or whatever, but they do literally all the work. They'll even do the mortgages and all that stuff. They'll take care of everything. So once you have the contract, take it to the title company, done, done and over with. Now, you want to work with the title company if there's any issues or anything. So that goes without saying, but they're going to do so much work for you, which is fantastic. Now, let's say you bought the property now. You own the property. You went through the entire process with the title company. The next step is to have your property manager or your contractor rehab or fix up or repair the property so that it is, and here's a, key, a crucial term, so that it is rent ready. Not that it's the best house on the block. You don't want that. You want it to be on par with every other property. If you overdo a property and you put $10,000 into it when you could only, you only needed to put $2,000 into it, that's $8,000 extra dollars in a property that it's not going to raise the value of the rents that much. You might get $25 more, $50 more, even $100 more, well, it's going to take you 80 months if you raise up the value of the rents by $100. It's going to take you 80 months just to recoup that $8,000 when you didn't need to pay that. Hopefully that makes sense. Don't overdo the property because what's going to happen is you're spending money that you're not going to get back for a very, very long time. So you want to make the property rent ready. Now you're going to be trusting your property manager because the property manager, they are the ones that are, they know what the clientele want. They know what the other properties are like in that area. And they're the ones doing all the work. So trust what they're saying. If you need to verify, go through with, with a contractor as well. Um, if you want to talk to plumbers, but Hopefully you get into business and I never get into business with a property manager I don't trust or I don't think, hey, they're going to do a good job. 
You want to get a good property manager, interview them from the very, very beginning, build your business, interview them well, and select the right ones. And it was great. Recently, actually, it was just like two or three days ago, I had a coaching call with one of my students. And I know he listens to the show, so he's out there. So hey, yeah, I'm glad you're listening to the show. But we went through each one of his property managers as well. He said, hey, Dustin, here are the three property managers that I'm looking at. And we went through every single one. We went through their contracts. I said, this is what you're looking for. This is what I would do. Oh man, this is what they're saying or this is what they're charging for. Don't go there. So I walked in, walked him through the entire process and showed him which property manager is probably the best one to go to. Now he's going to have to make the decision himself and he's going to have to see which one works the best with him and is the most trustworthy. It's not all about price. It's all about, in my opinion, all about trustworthiness. So get your property manager to get the contractors, plumbers, roofers, all that sort of stuff to fix up the property. Now, once you have the property all fixed up, and you know, honestly, if you don't have a property manager, you're doing it yourself. That's a whole nother ball of wax, fixing up a property on your own. That's a whole nother ball of wax. I'm not even going to get to, but if you're doing it on your own, it's possible. You absolutely, I've done it. I had, I, I bought one property in Houston. I literally had to do a septic system. I had to replace a sliding glass door. I had to do flooring. I had to do paint. I had to do yard. I even had to remove a tree. I had so much stuff. I did it all myself over the phone with contractors, with, you know, everybody else. I didn't have my property manager do it because they were going to charge me like 20% on top of it. Anyways, long story short, you absolutely can do it, but that's outside the scope of what we're talking about today. Now, the next step is to find the right tenant for your property. Now, finding a tenant, you know, somebody who breathes and says they have an income, it's easy to find anybody to say that, but to find the right tenant, that is what is going to make or break your business. If you find a tenant that is going to move out right after you put him in there, you're going to be losing money because there's a lot of costs involved with turning over a property. Now, here's what I strongly suggest you do. This is a huge pro tip, but this is also a key point of, of this entire thing is run background checks. Absolutely run the background check, run the criminal background check, run the credit background check, run their eviction background check, everything. You want to check everything about them. And so what you want to do is make sure that every single person that's applying, like I would strongly recommend never, ever, ever. Actually, I'll say this is a hard, steadfast rule uh, for master passive income. Never place any tenant that you do not run a background check on wholeheartedly like that's going to make or break. And I've said this before and I'll say it many times. I had somebody that wanted to come into my property. The application looked fantastic. Money, you know, um, evictions, nothing like everything looked great on the application. I ran her background check and she had four evictions in the last three years. And I said, I'm not going to be the fifth eviction in this three years or then you know, go on to the next four of the year. I know like pattern's going to keep going. Like history repeats itself. This person's going to, I, I don't think they turned their leaf. So I passed on the person. That's what I want for you to do. Now, if you're managing the property yourself, I strongly want you to use the service, the free service, awesome for you service that I actually use to manage certain properties. So I have many property managers, but I also have properties that I manage myself for many different reasons. So I want you to go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash cozy, C-O-Z-Y, masterpassiveincome.com forward slash cozy, a fantastic free service for landlords like us. I mean, 
It's fantastic so much that it has, let me just go through a quick list and there's many more things that it does. It will list the property for rent for you quickly and easily to like a dozen different areas or websites that's gonna be listing your properties. They find tenants for you. They run background checks on there and make the tenants pay for them. They manage the property or the system manages the properties all your maintenance requests, all the expenses can be ran through there. All your income, they can pay online. You can communicate to your tenants through Cozy as well. It is fantastic. So go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash Cozy and you will be set up with a free account. It's absolutely fantastic. And the way that they make money is through running background checks. It's it's a brilliant business model. And so I want you to go there and get started. Now, a big thing when you're working with property managers is they're just like if you're working on your own. If you're working on your own, same thing. If you're managing your own property, you're gonna have to pick the right tenant. Now, property managers, what their job is to do is to find a good tenant. Not just find a good tenant, but find a qualified tenant and also verify everything about who they are, what they are, what they say, you know, their jobs and all that sort of stuff. And they're gonna give you a number one recommendation. Say, hey, this tenant should be, or the potential tenant should be the best one. They're the best one out of all of them. It's your decision if you want to place them or not. And so usually the property manager will come to you and say, hey, are you okay with us renting to this tenant? And through your own business practices and your own business processes, you can see, hey, is this a tenant that I actually want to put in there? But maybe, maybe not. You know, if they ran through everything and they think it's a good recommendation, but there's something I'm missing you. Like, you know, I personally do not like renting to people who are cohabitating, you know, they're living together like a boyfriend and girlfriend. The big reason why, and it's happened to me basically every single time they break up, like within two months, they break up, one moves out. And then I'm like, shoot, the one, like the, the, the lady moved out and then the dude can't afford the rent by himself. And then I got an eviction. It's just, it's just a fact of life. They're going to break up. Now, if they're engaged, that's a little different. If they're married, that's fantastic. You want married couples, in my opinion. You want married couples. Now, we're not discriminating at all, and we're not going to tell them, hey, it's because you're not married. No, we're not going to tell them. It's because their finances do not fit the type of property. So here's the reason why. Person, or like the boyfriend and girlfriend. The total rent for that property is $1,200. Well, working together, they make $2,000. You know, they each make $1,000. Well, one of them on their own cannot pay for the mortgage or, you know, sorry, for the rent. They can't pay for any at expenses. And so because any one of them or either one of them cannot afford the rent on their own, that is, that's, that's the rule. Like that's basically it. You are not picked because your finances don't meet the criteria. Now, here's a big pro tip I'm gonna give you. If you ever pass on somebody as a tenant, never ever say why you're passing. They're like, oh, what, can you tell me why? Well, you are required to tell me why. No, the law says that, no, no, I don't even tell you jack, I mean, really. All I'm saying is I went with somebody else or you have not been selected and then thank you very much. Click, you don't need to tell them anything. In fact, it would be better if you did not tell them anything. Like literally don't tell them anything. I had one property manager actually tell somebody because this guy there was a guy who was a felon um ex-con and you know ex-con ex-con I, they try to enter back into society which is great but i want married families that are not ex-cons and so my property manager literally told the guy hey it's because you're an ex-con you're you're a felon and that um we're not selecting you i'm like oh why did you tell him that 
Like, literally, don't say a word. You don't need to tell them. Well, the guy said, oh, I'm going to sue you for this and that. Well, felons are not protected classes in most areas. Definitely check your area. But um, so I did not discriminate against them. I just wanted to make sure that I did not have a drug addict in there. I didn't have a murderer in there or anything like that. I want a good property. The big key point here is never give any reason why they why you passed on them. Like, literally, don't do that. Okay. Now let's move on from finding the right tenants, running background checks. And again, there's so much more to learn. I am giving you the overview on in the process to get all of this done. Now, when you select the tenant, you're going to have to get a few things. Number one, take an application. Always take an application. Have everything written down from their social security number to their address where they're currently living, past addresses. And there are so many things that you're going to need as reference for the future. If you need an eviction or you need to contact them or what kind of car they drive, all that sort of stuff, you need to have all that written down. And inside my online ultimate real estate investing system, the course that I have, I have all these contracts and forms and everything in there and applications in there. But anyways, you want to get an application of the tenant and you want to have everybody who's living in there, who's an adult to be on the lease, not just one person, everybody. Next, you want to get their references. You want to make sure that their references for work and living history, like go back at definitely to where they're living now, but then also to where they're living before. Now, here's a huge pro tip. If you just go back to where they're currently living and talk to that property manager and say, hey, how's Joe Smith? You know, how, how's that good? How's that person as a tenant? If it's a good tenant, they might say, oh, it's a bad person. I'm not saying that they're landlord or the property manager is going to lie, but they might, they might say something like, oh, it's not a good tenant. You don't want to keep them or, you know, you don't want to place them because they want to keep them in there. Or here's what would even more likely happen. If you go to just the first property manager where they're currently living, if they're horrible tenants, it would be more likely, well, they were sugarcoat how bad the tenant is. And they say, oh, you know, they pay all the time. They do really well. You keep the property clean when in fact it's the exact opposite because they want to get them out of the property. That could be, a, well, could definitely be it. So that's why I say get the second property before that. So if they currently living in there, get one prior to that, because then you're going to get somebody who doesn't have that headache anymore. And they're going to say, you know, basically tell you the truth. And so if they were bad tenants, they'll tell you if they're good tenants, they'll tell you. So that's my suggestion. Also work history, making sure that they currently have a job and what they're currently doing is verified and all that sort of stuff. Tenant history is like just talked about. You want to get, make sure, go back at least two properties to see where they've lived in the past. Now here's a huge pro tip. If you are managing the property yourself. And if you're going to be selecting the tenants yourself, what you need to do when you're going to go sign the lease with them, don't have them meet you at the property. Here's a huge pro tip. This is almost like a gangster way of doing it. A gangster, like a good way of being like sly and seeing who and how they are. Go to their house. Say, hey, no, don't worry about it. Don't, we won't meet at the property. I'm going to come to your house. I'm right by the area. I'll just come by your house and we'll sign it there. Now, here's what happened or it's happening, what you're doing as this is pretty, pretty uh, uh, sly. You're going to see how they're currently living in their current home. You, they haven't signed that application or sorry, they haven't signed the lease yet. So they don't not have the property or access to the property. If you walk in there, do, 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 Hey, there's a cockroach and there's 15 cats and wow, there's cereal dumped everywhere. And this place is a mess. I could not live in here. Is that the type of tenant you want on your property? Just say, oh man, you know, hey, you know, I I need to check something. Let me go back and leave. And then you realize, hey, this is not the type of tenant. So this is, this is a pretty sly way of figuring out if this is a good tenant. It's one extra pro tip giving you 
Finding a good tenant is all these great things. And there's so many more things about it. Next, after you find the tenant, let's say this tenant is fantastic. They look great. You visit their house. Everything about it is great. You get them to sign the lease and you get them to pay. Usually it's first month's rent and a security deposit. So your first month's rent and a security deposit. If they have bad credit, you can say, hey, I need you to pay two, for two like first and last month's rent and a security deposit as well because of your credit. If you want to live in this place, this is what I need. And some people say no. Some people say yes. I've had people pay like twice as much because, you know, not per month, but pay extra in the deposit so that if anything did happen, they knew that because their credit was so bad that they needed to have a little bit more insurance or I needed more insurance that they put more money down. So that's another huge pro tip or new option I want to give you. So next is after they sign the lease, you then want to put them into the property by giving them the keys and allowing them access. Now, here is the beautiful thing. The work's done. I know we've had four podcast show talking about it, but this the, the work is actually done. And if you go through the process and buy one property. So everything I just talked about, and there's so much more to learn, but anyways, anything, everything I just talked about in these last four episodes, you built the business, you bought one property, and you have a property manager, you have a team working. You do that one time, it's a lot of work, but then the next time, it's so much less work. It honestly takes me three hours to buy one property and put that into my business. If I wanted to buy another property right now, I can go into that area, whichever area I'm investing in, and find a property, and from that point, to like once I start looking, like I make the decision, okay, I'm gonna look for a property. Three hours later, I usually have a property said and done in my inventory, in my business, and I have other people doing the work. So I know it's, even though it's been four podcasts, it seems like a lot of work or a lot of things, it's super simple, and I love showing people how to do this. So go get your free course, masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course. And if you're interested in coaching as well, go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash coaching. I would love to see if you would be a good student, a good potential student that I would work with. I don't accept everybody. There's an application process you got to go through. I'd love to talk to you about it. Hopefully work out where we can start working together and I can coach you through the process as well. All right, guys, this has been a huge long series talking about how to start investing in real estate and there is so much more to learn. So stick with me throughout the podcast and read my articles and everything I give out there for free. And if you want to get further coaching and investing tips and education and me walking you through the process, I have that for you as well. Go to masterpassiveincome.com. All right, guys, you've been fantastic. It's been a great series. Hopefully you learned a lot out of it. It's been fantastic. You guys are great. Get out there, start investing, change your life forever. Buy that first property. Let's do this.